0: All day time, all that time, all that time, Yes, yeah,
1: Welcome
2: to the jungle, the Auburn men's basketball podcast. And
0: picking up right where Kessler left off, it's Broome with the block. Auburn men, talking Auburn men's basketball. We missed you, the jungle is already in mid-season form. No frills. no gimmicks. Just both. Eddie Johnson in transition. Now, here's your host,
1: Matt Donaldson and Jackson
2: Garrett.
1: All right, guys. Uh, we're coming off a horror show of a loss to Kentucky. We lost by 32 points in Lexington, 86-54, Kentucky over Auburn. Just a a sad one after we got hyped up that maybe this was a year that we could take them down since it would be the first one since 1988. Didn't happen. Got beat really bad again. But we're going to try to do another thing again. We're going to have an interview at the start of the podcast, and uh, hopefully this brings some joy that you're going to be lacking during the review, and hopefully it helps us to relax a bit maybe. Uh, We have Jonathan on from Red Mott Vodka. And if you don't know, Red Mott Vodka is partially owned by charles barkley yeah Matt, ben you got there you guys go. got his charles barkley cut out this might be a good uh podcast to watch on youtube uh man we're just excited to have you on part of this is because uh, we used to drink rum on here all the time and we started getting some of our listeners call, like messaging in and saying hey you know charles barkley's got a vodka company You're like oh really so maybe we should take him on but man, jonathan thanks for coming
0: yeah man glad to be here glad you guys reached out and glad to connect and uh I know it's not probably the, the the best night to do this, but hopefully this drink will kind of you know soften the blow a little bit. You could say so. Yeah, that, uh, there
1: was ever a time we needed a rebound. It's tonight. <laughs> that that's sports for you. You know, we set this up. We were so excited to have as many hosts on as possible. Ryan couldn't make it, but Ben made it. Matt's here. I'm here. Jonathan's here. We're still gonna have a good time. And that's just how it is. Uh, Jonathan, I think you have a drink that we're gonna go through and we're gonna kind of do it on the air. And hopefully, listeners at home and anyone on YouTube, this can be like a drink that we can all enjoy together at future games and during this post-game also.
0: Right. So this is uh this is the the, the, the round mound refresher. It is it has got 1.5 ounces of redmont vodka. It's got two ounces of um tumors corner lemonade. Yeah, tumor's corner lemonade. And then you're gonna to top it off with a little bit of ginger ale. So let's go ahead and if everybody's got their um, their ingredients ready to start mixing. All right, what are we starting with? We start with
1: the vodka. Start
0: with the vodka, man. Go ahead. All right. And get that get the alcohol on the ice. Can
1: you hear it in the mic here? Oh yeah, that's that's a sound of good vodka there.
0: And a little bit of that much corner lemonade.
1: How much is that you think? Two two ounces?
0: Probably about two, two and a half ounces of lemonade.
1: I wonder if this is picking up on the mic or not. I think this would be quite the ASMR. Uh... Oh, yeah.
0: Just, just for a, 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 a little bit of fizzy, just put a little bit of ginger ale on top.
1: All right. Oh, yeah. That sounded on the mic, right? You got a little fizz there. Yeah. All right. Toss that on top. Okay. And then some ice, you think?
0: A little bit of ice. There you go. Yeah,
1: Let's put some ice in there.
0: What
1: do you think for Charles? <laughs> let's <laughs> see. I'm giving, do, we, do we all give a sip and a little review here, guys? I'll, I'll give the first one. Yeah. Sometimes you need a refresher after a loss like that. This this hits the spot.
0: Man, that would be a great um, 11 o'clock tailgating cocktail. I can tell you. Nice <sighs> Goes down a little too easy. Uh, that Red Mountain Vodka kind of helps it out tremendously. I would imagine a little bit of that Tumors Corner Lemonade. So, oh yeah, um,
3: yeah. I I'm, wish uh, I'm, I'm, I'm missing the Tumors Lemonade. I'm having to deal with a subpar substitute over here. And if we can,
1: but... <laughs> if we can get Alabama Charles Barkley owned Vod Cup here, I think in New York and in Nashville, I think we should be able to get Tumors Lemonade sent to us, right?
0: Yeah, that's right. You might might be able to talk to the Milo's people and just kind of co pack a little. Tumors Corner hanger on on on, on, all, on all the Milo's teas, right? There you go.
1: We have uh, you know, I'm with the New York City Auburn Club, Ben, too, and and Matt's with the Nashville Auburn Club, and uh, each of them have bars. I think we need to figure out a way to get Red Mile and uh, Tumors Corner in there, and a little ginger ale, and we can have our drinks at the bars. Man, that'd be great. That'd be yeah. fun. Yeah, everybody
2: goes a little you'd... cross promotion.
1: I there while are. we uh, while we drink these up, we could go through some questions here about Redmo. I think there's like just I, I'm personally very interested just how Charles Barkley's gotten involved. What is Redmo? You know, just just walk us through the beginning of Redma and how you ended up getting involved with Charles Barkley.
0: Okay, so this is a um, this is a company me and two of my buddies started, um, and two of those guys, Jake Hinden and Steve Watts, are both Auburn grads. Um, so they, uh, they wanted to start a company um, in about 2015, and they didn't want to do a brewery. There was already a couple breweries in Birmingham, so they decided to do a stillery. Um, and my background was kind of construction, so they were like, you know, kind of, you know, we got this idea, but we need somebody to kind of, you know, put the pieces of the puzzle together on the inside and, and help make it work. So that's kind of how I got brought in. Um, we leased a building down here in uh, Birmingham, Fifth Avenue. Um And we were there to about 2018, about 2018, we, uh, the building we were in sold. And so we were kind of looking for investment or, you know, investors. And we just happened to come across Charles Barkley. So, um, he came. Did you
1: you meet him on the street? How'd you meet Charles Barkley? How how do you stumble into Charles Barkley investment?
0: (laughs) The, uh, the, 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 uh, the distribution company that we were with, somebody knew him. Right. And, 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 you know, we were, Obviously working close with the distribution company because we were looking for a place to go. And they knew Charles, and Charles likes to drink vodka with just a touch of cranberry in it, right? So we ended up getting a bottle in his hand and then and that was it. So about nine months later, he um he ended up he he owns the majority of this company. He's majority owner of Redmont Distilling um how, t- would you,
1: how would you explain that to people you know I said early on I said oh Redmont's a vodka company partially owned by Charles Barkley how do you guys describe it do you say this is Charles Barkley's vodka company you say this yeah. is Charles Barkley and ours how do you say you know I'll be respectful to it
0: well no no it's you know it's it, it's you know and it's it, he, he is majority owner but we're, 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 I mean it's a very small group here so we like to think everybody owns it because everybody does a lot here including Charles he's He's as hands-on as you can get, right? So he's um, he talks about it, but he does what he can. But he is also a very, very busy individual, as you can imagine, right? Well, uh, I saw
3: he
1: was at the All-Star game, right? And he was repping Red Mile at the All-Star yeah, game. You've got a guy that's traveling all over the country with these sports, kind of repping it everywhere he goes, huh?
0: Right, yeah. We had a, actually our CEO and a VP of marketing, Eleanor exactly. Estes, is our CEO. Um, so this is a woman-ran, minority-owned company. Um that's right.
1: Support, <laughs> support, guys. Auburn, Auburn owned, minority owned, woman owned. Come on, guys. to so get out here and support the diversity.
0: That's right. That's right. Um, so they were and then then uh the VP of marketing, Montel Morton, they were actually in Salt Lake City. We kind of did a little side party, you know, with all the with all the you know celebrities and everybody up there for for um for that. So it was it was good, man. It was good. Um
1: now we know the uh the round mound refresher is going to be Charles Barkley's favorite drink. But what is his current favorite drink that he's told you about?
0: Uh, man, every time I've been around him, it's it's uh it's about a full cup of vodka with just a little bit of touch of cranberry. Um, he gets offended if you put too much cranberry in it. I'll go ahead and be honest with you. It, it, it kind of he he's like he doesn't send it back, but he's like, let me drink a little bit of this and make it right. You know what I mean? So that's, <laughs> that's, that's a nice
1: he's point. a, he's, he's a hint of cranberry man. Cranberry. Well, do you, you don't want to mess too much with the vodka, right? The vodka is just well, perfect. So you just need a little bit, right?
0: Let's see the Redmont vodka. It's a, uh, just a little bit of ba- background about the vodka as well. The vodka is a hundred uh, percent corn based non-GMO gluten free spirit. Um, it's distilled eight times. And after we distill it, we run it through a filtration process Pulls all the impurities out, man. It leaves you just a neutral spirit, a little bit of sweet, creamy mouthfeel from that 100% corn base. So nice. very good, neutral to mix with, just all around good spirit. So
1: I know uh, Ben has got Ben was in a play at one point, if you didn't know this, called <laughs> the Bible, where he made lots of cocktails in the history of cocktails. I, I wanted to hear about some more cocktails maybe that you guys do with him. If, ben, if you have any expertise in the cocktail industry and you want to ask him any cocktail questions. Oh yeah, I got some questions for Jonathan.
2: Jonathan, this is your this is your signature down here on the bottom of the bottle. You're the head distiller, right?
0: That is correct.
2: Amen. Yeah, oh. I got to say it's it, it says here superior quality mixing spirits. I got to tell you this is some smooth vodka. Thank so if you. you're not somebody like our our dear Sir Charles that wants to have it real straight, fantastic for your tailgates, fantastic for your watch parties. But you also sent us a bottle of gin that we're not going to get to try tonight. Do you have a plan at Redmond to maybe uh, open up the distillery, add some more spirits, maybe a, a bourbon in the future?
0: um well we are i am actually right now working on something that's in a barrel it is not bourbon but it is the gin so okay uh, yeah little little barrel aged gin honestly i said both products are 100 percent corn base right so you put that in a barrel with a little bit of botanicals and it really brings out the qualities of a bourbon or a whiskey right because of that because of the base of the spirit and then you get a little bit those um the, the from, from 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 all the you know, the chlorine seed grains of paradise and all the other botanicals there's only four of them that go in that gin so it's uh hopefully it's something interesting and new i know a lot of people know about it but a lot of people don't there you go look at should that I, should yeah.
1: i try putting it in the barrel i have a barrel i can age some gin in <laughs> should i wait till yours comes out or should i give mine a try
0: you may want to try mine. Try try this one first because once you put it in there, I mean, you know, it's the a, has a, a certain lifetime, right? Unless you want, to wait, like that like, does, fifteen years, right? And I don't think you want to wait fifteen years in that little barrel, right?
1: I want to, you know, leave it to professionals, maybe. You know, that might be good. You send us also these fun little Charles Barkley cutouts. If you're on the video, you'll see that. And on the back it says Redmont Vodka, official partner of Auburn Athletics. How did that happen? What's that entail? What goes into that? Is this the official vodka of Auburn sports?
0: Uh, well, you well, we are partners with Auburn sports, you could oh, say. Right? Right. So, you yeah, know, these, these are things that everybody's trying to tiptoe around now that have really opened up and allowed, you know, universities across the country to really start working with alcohol brands, um, you know, spirits, beer, you know, all the above. So but we've been very fortunate enough to get the uh, – you know, get the win from Auburn, and then uh, I'm sure Charles Barkley, you know, the the influence helped out a little bit, right? Um, I think it went something along the lines of they were looking at somebody else and Charles maybe got wind of it, and he was like, well, I don't think that's going to happen, so (laughs) I think – we, uh, I'm,
1: I'm curious, you know, they're, they're opening up beer in the stadiums now in a lot of places. College athletics in general has been really weird about having alcohol sales in football stadiums and in basketball stadiums. And they're starting to open that up again. I'm curious. I wonder if you've heard anything about, you know, getting Redmont vodka for sale in Auburn Arena or Neville Arena or Jordan Hay or any of these places in the coming future.
0: I mean, I've heard it's coming. Um, that is definitely not, you know, I, 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 I'm not just here to say probably as much as you guys. Right. Um, but I, I have heard there. I, I think they're going to try to see how the beer and the wine does, right? And then maybe start opening it up to spirits and just kind of see how it plays out.
1: Mm, if I could get a shot of red mount when a three goes in or a big alley oop dunk in Neville Arena, well, one day we can all dream. Yeah, you know? uh, I, heard, I heard there's a potential, you know, right now. The if you look at the bottle, it's red, red Ma, it's very Birmingham based, it's got the uh, Iron Man. Uh, guy statue on the top of the your Vulcan, Birmingham base Jackson, the, the Vulcan. Vulcan the Vulcan okay all right I'm not from Birmingham <laughs> I haven't been there in a while but uh, I heard that there might be an Auburn themed bottle coming out or a Charles Barkley themed bottle coming out
0: so we did so the partnership with Auburn we really want to try to give back and help those guys as much as they they've kind of helped us in this partnership so we're really we're, we we do have a special packaging coming out um, that is just going to be for the Auburn market. Um, just going to be available there, and we're going to, you know, release it. It's 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 a, it's an Auburn package. It's still the same Redmont juice in the bottle, but it'll it'll definitely show that 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 those Auburn colors and spirits for sure. So when uh, when the, when that releases, you'll have to have me back on that way we can kind of show everybody what uh, what's available out there. That the, the way they know to go pick up a bottle.
1: Oh, that that's amazing. I know uh, personally I've seen plenty of old Coca-Cola bottles and cans and things that commemorate different seasons from back in the day. Uh, vodka would be quite the step up. I don't think anybody cares about the Coca-Cola and the can or anything, but if I could have a commemorative vodka bottle or just an Auburn-themed one at all, it'd be pretty cool to have in my collection. Uh, you know, 100%. I was surprised to see how widely – Radmount is distributed you know I've, I've got friends in different liquor industries and beer and things they can be difficult to distribute really far away and i think i saw that this is sold even in new york is there you know just give it a shout out maybe to where these different places people can get it
0: right so we're uh we're, we're, we've shipped to about 24 states you can go on our website and it has um, store locators and the uh, website tells you vodka.com. it tells you all the markets that we're in so um i think we're, we're we're licensed in about 40 and we've shipped to about 25 26 of those markets um and we're just going to bring those markets as we see need right so mm-hmm.
1: mostly get, get, on mostly on the east coast this side of the mississippi river i assume
0: oh uh, yeah we're, we're, we're out in california uh, all right all right Arizona, you know to make sense for us and then a little bit in Nevada. There's, there's, there, Charles spent some time in the, in, in, in some of the places in oh, Nevada. Oh, does
1: he? He spends some time. There's a particular city he might. Reno, right? He's in Reno a lot. <laughs> Is it? Ba- oh, it's pragus probably. All right, all right yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: but anyway, so yeah, you know, just the places that kind of make sense for us. We, we, we really reached out and tried to, you know, try to grab a hold of those markets and, and you know, do what we can out there. So.
1: Uh, last time we talked, I think you mentioned you were going to be in Auburn for the Tennessee game, potentially maybe giving samples or just out there talking about Redmond. I don't know if that's still happening or not. Is that we be in Auburn for the Tennessee game?
0: I will be. We will be. We're going to be doing a little promotion at the uh, the Heyday Market right there at the new Rain Center right beside the Auburn Hotel. Um, we're going to have a tent set up outside. We'll be handing out swag and Giving out small samples. And then inside that heyday market at that bar, they're going to be doing a, a couple signature cocktails with Redmont for this Tennessee game. So, you know, once again, trying to do what we can to um, brand awareness and let, let, let every, everybody know down there kind of what we have going on up here. So in Birmingham. So,
3: hey guys, I don't know if y'all remember that I sent y'all a picture of that heyday market when I was down there last time to our group chat. And uh, it's a really cool, if you haven't been to Auburn in a year or two, you're going to be there for that game definitely go check it out it's it's right near um Samford Hall and all that great location you're gonna you'll be pretty popular guy I think next Saturday if you go if you go down there and meet Jonathan to get a
1: sample make sure you mention us if you're a listener of the podcast let them know that you guys are listening I I think I had one more question for you or thought I saw on the website there is a March Madness uh tournament situation with an insane prize walk us through that and then we can enter ourselves and we can get our listeners and see if we can win it
0: that's right. So, if you go to redmontvodka.com, you can enter, we call it the final pour. So, this is our third year running this this March Madness bracket, and we decided to kind of uh, step up our game this year, and we are giving away $1 million. If you one, get,
1: one million, folks. One million.
0: dollars, One million if you get a perfect bracket. And then you also Charles also fills out a bracket too, so there is a chance that we have stickers that 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 we print out every year, and we um thought I had some over here, anyways, and we um if if you beat Charles Barkley's bracket, we send you a sticker that says you beat Charles Barkley's basketball bracket, and it has the year or whatever. So it's kind oh, of oh
1: man, that, that's worth it just in itself. I mean, the perfect bracket's almost impossible, but hey, someone hey get in, just get in there and enter. You never know. It's free, right? It's free to enter. So why not go after a million dollars, you know?
0: Yeah. If you go on the website right now, sign up. It'll send you a reminder email for when that time slot is to kind of, you know, from selection Sunday till I think that Thursday or Wednesday or Thursday when when, when the time closes, it'll kind of send you a reminder email to sign up and see if you can uh, win that prize.
1: You know, we, we thought about doing a March Madness bracket here on the podcast. We were looking at doing that, but I think this one, might be uh i think the prize might be a little better on this one i think we might just say everybody that wants to be in the podcast one just go to go to the redmont vodka they actually have real prizes
0: i mean i'm gonna fill out one you know what i'm saying i mean I'm <laughs> gonna
1: I, I think it'd be fun to see if anybody on our on our podcast if any of the hosts can win a sticker
0: that's that'd right. be a big deal that's right that's right
1: that's right all right well matt ben uh, you got any other questions or jonathan do you have anything else you want to say
0: uh, no man, I just appreciate you guys reaching out, man. And once again, I'm looking forward to kind of growing this and being, you know, helping you guys out and being on when 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 you feel needed. You know, hopefully next time it's not a loss, but you know, hey, we still have cocktails to enjoy, right? Yes, sir. Right.
1: Yes, sir. Shout out to the red mo- or the uh, round mound refresher. Everybody try it at home. And Jonathan, thanks for coming on. Well, hey,
2: Jonathan. One one quick question before you go. Uh, Auburn's going to be playing in a tournament in Brooklyn next year. You think we can uh, maybe get you to take a trip to the Big Apple, come up and uh, do a little tasting with us?
0: Man, I don't know, Yes, guess. Uh, let me look into that, but that sounds extremely interesting, man. Uh, that might be something we can definitely hook up. All sure. right. We'll talk, to the,
2: uh, we'll talk to the New York City Auburn
1: Club, see what we can do for you.
0: Man, that would be great. Yeah, that would be fantastic. All
1: right. Thanks, Jonathan.
0: Thank see you, guys. See you. Cheers. Cheers.
1: All right, guys. Glad we got a drink in here because it's gonna be a tough review. So I'm glad we had a uh, a fun situation with Jonathan and Redmount. Thanks. Shout out again to some of our listeners that reached out to us and told us to to reach out to Redmount. We didn't uh I I wasn't fully aware. I think I vaguely knew Charles Barkley had a vodka company. I don't know. I mean it's only been a couple of years he's been involved, but I have a well, feeling of the tailgates
2: let's, let's not shortchange Redmont here. They're they're a full-on distillery based in Birmingham, Alabama. They make all kinds of spirits. They have all kinds of versatility, and uh, that was something we were lacking in the game today. We didn't have a whole lot of versatility <laughs> in the show, did we?
1: I just I just want to see in the tailgates in the next couple of years, you know, Charles <laughs> gives so much to Auburn all the time, not just in his money-wise, but, like, from his time perspective and his marketing and everything. I mean, he puts a product out there. I can finally kind of give it back a little bit, you know, support him in some way. You can't, I mean, sure, I support him by watching TNT or shouting him out on, you know, Social media, whatever. This is a real way you can support them. So, you know, go out there and get some Red Mount Vodka. It sounds like you can get it about anywhere. We'll be drinking it on the pod the rest of the year. And, uh, man, just really cool. What do you guys think about – I don't know how we even get into this Kentucky discussion. I mean, if I want to frame it, I guess. We are really excited to maybe pull (laughs) off this first win since 1988. 35 years, I believe that is. And, man, we thought maybe earlier in the year, Kentucky looked a little down. Maybe we had a chance. Auburn was – We knew we weren't a great team this year, but we thought we were a solid team. Maybe we could pull that off away. And man, it went about as bad as I, we could have imagined it would go. It went as bad as that loss during the final four run team. Uh, You know, I think there's been some comparisons to that, hoping, I think we're going to have that for years and years and years now. Every time a team stinks, we're going to be like, hey, well, that final four team stunk also. So just watch out. Uh, I don't think this loss is going to be a wake-up call. I think this was more of a, or not a, I don't think it's going to be a turnaround after this. We only have two games left. Uh, man, it was just, it was over by halftime, it felt like. And it just got worse and worse. And I looked up about four or five minutes left on the clock in the second. I was
3: like, how is this game still going? I don't want to watch it anymore. It's a murder. I don't know. Matt, thoughts? Well, brutal. Brutal last 25 minutes of the game. You know, it was close. Uh, I would, till what? The last TV timeout of the first half, maybe? And then they went on a little run to go to halftime. Pulled away late. Just classic. Uh, I, I call it an avalanche sometimes in basketball games where things just compound on each other. And I think the mistake that we will need to be careful not to make, well, it's a fan podcast. We can say whatever we want, but the mistake some people make in games like this is that it's, it's telling of something it, to me. It tells me that Kentucky's really talented. They've won quite a few in a row. They've kind of pulled themselves off the bubble. We know our history there. Um, You know, this is probably what Missouri felt like a little bit the other day in Neville Arena, getting their doors blown off by a team that is okay. You know, Kentucky's a good team. They're not good for their standard, at least to this point. But I saw some good things from them. Um, And we knew it was going to be tough. And I think it's just a little demoralizing. This is our first real blowout, right, of the year? Uh, You know, I think there was
1: that one before the West Virginia game. Who was that that blew us out?
3: A M
2: that was a that was a that was a teens game, but it was I, not not a blowout on the magnitude of twenty plus
3: points. Yeah, at the AM game, we were down single digits in the last few minutes or ten minutes. So,
1: I guess uh-huh. I just have West Virginia game on the mind because I was yeah. we talked about it before that West Virginia game. This team is just not built for a comeback. And anytime we go down ten plus, especially Agreed. before halftime like that, you could basically just hang up the game and go home or whatever. And that's how I felt this way. But then. They really shocked us in that West Virginia game by actually making it a really close game by the end. And so we kind of like pulled back a bit on calling this team, a team that couldn't come back. And then this happened. And I don't know. I want, I wanted to step away from it, but you know, we have to for the podcast. So we watch it. But uh, Ben, I see you have uh, the Charles Barkley sign over there. What, what one word do you think Charles Barkley would use to describe this performance? Boys, this,
2: this performance was terrible. <laughs> that's pretty good I was like, that was a bad Charles Barkley he's never coming on the podcast now um <laughs> but we needed we needed a Sir Charles you know we we said going into the game that the matchup was going to be about two of the best big men in the SEC we thought we had a guy to match up with Tobin in, in Jalen Williams and offensively I think Jalen put together one of his better games which he seems to always do when we're having a, a dire situation we never really get the dominant Jalen in the wins anymore like we did in the early part of the season but uh, the the story of the game was second chance points. Early on, we were getting rebounds. We were winning the rebounding game. We were even keeping pace with the turnovers, but we were not scoring when we had those second chance opportunities. And Kentucky did
3: mm-hmm. well. If you, and if you, if you I, I do it, want to point out before we get like because the rebounding thing's a real thing for this team. Kentucky's long; they're long at every position. And then you have Shebeu in the middle. So you, I, I was hoping this could be a break even game in rebounding or close to it, and they're. You know, people are going to look at the number. It's forty-one twenty-three, and be like, "Oh my gosh!" But you know how you get a lot of rebounds by the other team missing a lot of shots. We missed a lot of shots. They shot. This was the best percentages anybody shot against us all year, and we can talk about why that happened. But we didn't get many rebound opportunities on their shots because they made everything.
1: I'm gonna I'm gonna read through the stats here. Uh, some of these high level stats, and you you two decide. I think you've already kind of decided, but you know, look, I'll do them, and you can decide which one you think is really the most indicative to this loss, uh, you know, field goal percentage was 56% Kentucky, 34% Auburn three percentage was really interesting. 62% from Kentucky, 33% from Auburn at one point the the half, I believe they were shooting 83%. They hit five, three. So it was not huge volume, but it's still really hard. They hit every, they hit every open three, Uh free throw percentage, 93% for Kentucky 64 for us, uh, turnovers 12 to 13. So pretty even there. Points off turnovers, 23, Kentucky, 16, Auburn. Total rebounds, the one you just pointed out a second ago. That's a big one. 41 for Kentucky, 23 for Auburn. So that's a big differential there. Uh, let's see, second chance points, 14 for Kentucky, 7 for Auburn. So doubled up there. Points in the paint, you know that's when we've been watching some. 36 for Kentucky, 22 for Auburn. So they did beat yeah, us course. there, but maybe not as bad as some others. Another big one here. And we talked about turnovers. It's just interesting because the turnovers are pretty even, 13 to 12. But the points off turnovers is very different. It was 27, yep. or fast break points at least, yeah. 27 for Kentucky, 17 for Auburn. I think we missed some fast break points even. Even though I will give one little shout out here. Uh, Wendell, he, I got to go watch the replay because he might or might not have dunked a ball this game. It was like close to layup or dunk. We're going to go back and try to find it. It was so close. He didn't like grab him, but he was like his arm was in it. And the last couple stats, uh, man, only one block for Auburn in this game. Kentucky only got one, also, but for us, that seems like a big deal. Steels were a big one. 10 for Kentucky, five for Auburn. And uh the last one I'm gonna read is the another big one that we lost against. We lost a lot of these categories. Uh 16 assists for for Kentucky, four for Auburn. Part of that's just we scored 54
3: points and they scored 86,
1: but Matt, yeah, go ahead, Matt. Uh, point out whichever ones you think are the most four, important. Maybe try to pick one, you know?
3: Four assists on 19 shot made shots is not good for our offense. I think we've, you know, in our, I'm sure all the Auburn fans, when you're talking with your friends, right, there's a difference when the ball's moving and when it's not. And uh, granted, there were some opportunities in this game where good pass, just not finished, that ends up as an assist. So we missed some shots, but that percentage is way off. I think we're at our best offensively when we are picking up those assists and sharing the ball. And look, this is supposed to be a good defensive half-court team. That's kind of been what we've been all year. 27 fast break points. I don't know if we've given up 15 all year in a game. Um, that we, we can't do that. We are not built to overcome giving up that many open court points. We need to be a build a wall, be like Virginia, as much as I hate to say it, be boring, play really good defense, and lock that in down. We can't be giving up easy points at the free throw line in fast break, stuff like that. Ben, what's your thoughts on let's stats here? I mean, the difficult thing about trying to diagnose
2: this team and try to make predictions about, is this a good team? Is this a bad team? Are we going to dance? Are we staying home? You know, can we steal one here late at the end of the year? Or are we going to end the year on a four game losing streak and miss the tournament? Going back and, and reviewing the stats from not just this game, but the whole year, this team is constantly finding new ways to lose. And it's hard to pick a point tonight because it seemed like everything that could go wrong went wrong. And we got a chance to see, you know, we talk about how this team has a thin margin for error. Well, we, we made a lot of errors tonight. And so the margin reflected that in a really big way. We didn't play our brand of basketball. We were not scoring inside out. We did not have a lot of effective drivers. We weren't able to finish close to the rim. Uh, Wendell was not able to pass the ball. Well, we didn't create good lanes off of our cuts um, we've been really ineffective with our screens, which is not something that you're going to see that shows up a lot in the stat sheet, but the last couple of games, even the kind of smoke screens that we'll do trying to go into a pick and roll have just been completely ineffective. And it ends up with our ball handler getting doubled at the top. It's it's not a, it's not a way to run a Bruce Pearl offense.
3: Well, I think this, this, this isn't a Bruce Pearl. That, that's what's been weird all year, right? This is so different from what we're used to. And I, I think you're right, Ben, you know, we started out the game, you know, Broom and Jalen were the the reasons we were in the game for the first 15 minutes. I mean, playing through those guys. So, so that was there, but man, you look down the rest of this, you know, not just the stat sheet, but watching it, like no one else was a factor offensively when it counted at all. I
1: think some of these stats are, almost hard to talk through as a narrative for the game. Cause you had a good uh, statement earlier quote there about it being an avalanche. Sometimes when these teams like Auburn who can't come back very easily start going down, they get a little desperate. They start shooting some shots. They wouldn't have shot. Otherwise they're not playing within themselves. And it just, it avalanches, it gets worse and worse because we're not playing the game that we need to play. So some of these stats down the line, I almost wish we could like look at the stats at the first half, because it's like, that's what the ones we really matter. Cause once we got down 11, 12, you could tell we just started doing some strange oh. stuff that they really took advantage of. And if I can walk us through maybe a little bit, That you're right. You were talking about Jonai and Oscar Shibwe and Jalen all of them. There was kind of a big guy battle to start the game. Uh, Broom and Oscar Sheebway were going back and forth. They were putting stats up about how great both of them were playing. Pretty even game. Then we left a couple guys open at the three line, and they hit everything. And we could not respond to that, and we just ended up right. It was a close game until about three minutes left in the half, maybe two minutes even. He could help hit a couple big threes. We turned the ball over a couple times and it was game over. That's all it took with these little runs. And I saw a stat or an interesting graph recently that our team does not go on runs offensively. We're one of the worst teams in the nation on going on runs, but also we're one of the best teams at keeping other teams going on runs. So we just keep this very even game. It's so we haven't been blown out a lot of games. We've had a lot of close losses because that's what we do. We keep everybody very even. Our defense is really good. Our offense is really bad. So we just keep it kind of even the entire time and drown everybody in our murky, bad, slow game, kind of like you talked about with Virginia. So then when we lose something like this, when we, get, when we have a blowout, when the other team just hits a couple threes in a row, it just takes us completely out of the game. And tonight was just a, a terrible, bad example of what can happen when we stop playing out of ourselves because we have to and we just we can't.
3: Well, you know what was consistent? Because I, I did check the stats more in the first half. Um, the shooting was about the same, you know, as what you see here at the end of the game. The The shooting splits from both ends were very similar, actually. And I think you hit the nail on the head. The second half, you get a little desperate. You're trying to make it up in one too many. You know, one you 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 can get in trouble in basketball when you start freaking out. And you start taking even worse shots and rushing a little more and pressing and every people start to doubt each other. There starts to be just a whole thing, and that's kind of what happened a little bit. Whereas the West Virginia game, I think we even were talking a lot in that second half comeback. It was very it was very us, right? It was steady. It was a couple minutes at a time it was a couple points at a time and unfortunately i think almost 30 games into this season i hope i'm wrong i hope we just start hitting dagger threes everywhere in the you know in march but um we just haven't seen that yet ain't gonna happen ain't
1: gonna happen so is it gonna be joe Knight broom because i think what joe and i take three threes this game including one that was like a a, a what do they call it? a stabs a stab step three like in a guy's face of course he missed it but man i don't know I don't know what else to do here. Uh, I think in the West Virginia game, it was interesting. You said we played within ourselves in that comeback. That The idea in that comeback was to make as many stops as possible and then play our regular game on the other end. Didn't really work out this game like that. Maybe we were trying to do that and it just didn't work out, but it felt like we started trying to play, I don't know if it's their style or just a style of comeback basketball with heavy threes, contested threes, fast breaks, trying to steal the ball. And that's just not us this year. Yeah, I mean, it, it it was game over. Before. It was already going to be like this extremely small percentage of a chance to win. Once we went down like that, it just got worse when we didn't play the style that we need to play to come back. Ben thoughts, anything about the stat sheet you're looking at any players you want to talk about in particular, we're trying to figure um, out how to, I, how to do a three-way hosting here.
2: You know? Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm not, I, I don't have too much to contribute overall. I mean, you guys are saying most of the important stuff. I just think, the, the disappointing thing for me is understanding that we we really have a sense of who this team is. This team is is two players. It's Jalen and Janai. And when they are able to score, they're able to effectively open things up for the smaller players like Wendell Green Jr., um, maybe a KD off the bench. But I, I think we can safely say now the Lior experiment is over for anybody that's dreaming of him uh, getting his way to more minutes. Pretty solid defensive performance overall. He continues to force way more athletic guys to take tough mid-range shots. Which is great, but we've gotten Leor so many open looks and his 3% just continues to go down. Um, Lior Berman's not the answer. I don't think the answer is waiting for us somewhere on the bench. I don't know what it's going to take over the course of the summer to get Chance Westry and um, our other freshmen ready yeah. to contribute in the way that we've seen from Trey Donaldson.
0: Transfer
2: uh, portal, portal time. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, the portal time in the recruiting portion is going to be a lot of it. I still think that we have made a mistake keeping Alan Flanagan in the starting lineup. Um, Chris Moore is such an impossible liability for us in in that second unit. And I think him being out there with the starters covers up for a lot of his deficiencies, because what does he do well? Um, He's a pretty good defender. He's a pretty smart player. He knows where to be on the floor. And when he's surrounded by four other people that know what they're doing, he fits into that system really well. And what Flanagan brought for us off the bench was an aggressive, excellent ball handler with some size and with some real scoring ability. And I feel like when we were starting to find ourselves in our midseason run prior to this rut of the second half of the season, his ability to score off the bench was a huge part of that.
3: The the uh, metrics agree with you, Ben. but and I mean, yeah. the, the question is, how much of that is the non-conference part of the season? Because Chris was playing really well before he got hurt at that three position. And so our, that starting group with Chris at the three is by far our highest-rated lineup in all advanced metrics. But, you know, I just realistically, it's hard to imagine unless you were going to do a Wendell thing like last year, where he's playing way more minutes at the three, but you're starting each half with Chris Moore for a few minutes and that's it. Like, I don't know. I like what we were
2: doing early. That's what we were doing early. Flanagan was getting more minutes than Chris Moore. All Chris Moore yeah. was doing is starting, starting with that rotational group. Unless Chris Moore was hot. We had a couple of nights where Simo got hot and he was rewarded with more minutes. But I think overall, if we go back and look, Flanagan was still averaging around twenty minutes of basketball.
3: Yeah, but that's half. And, and I mean, like that I, that that seems a little crazy to me with how Chris has played. So you could maybe it is all just him playing power forward and not the three. Um I, I think it would have been I think it's hard for me to put him on the floor that much with how he's playing, I guess would be my counterpoint. I think
1: what Ben is getting at is that our bench production has gotten so bad, bad. And there's an idea that even if there is a guy that's your best player at that position, just by the time you get your second platoon out there, you need somebody that can score. And last year we saw that with Wendell. I think we knew Wendell was a better point guard overall by the end of the year than Zep, but we had guys that could score in the starting lineup. And we did that second rotation for that third rotation. We need a guy out there that could score right now when our bench players come out, I mean, what, usually what we're doing is we're leaving a couple of starters in for that second rotation. Which but, is
3: what everybody does.
1: Yeah, but th- th- there's a thing where I think they thought KD would be the kind of guy that could come out and be that scorer when a lot of our bench players are out there, and he's just not. And so now with Flanagan's well, kind of taking let's, more let's, rest on the starter, it's become an issue. but
2: Let's be fair to KD. He has been a couple of times, just not against the premier competition. Hmm. And I think that's been kind of the story of this team. With the exception of Jani and Jalen, A lot of these guys, when you're going against the best teams in the league and the best teams in America, they're struggling, and there's a reason for that.
1: Well, are are we burying the lead here too? I'm about to say, I was going to do a bit. I was going to do a bit, Matt. Go ahead. Go Uh, ahead. I'm pouring another shot of Redmont vodka because we have (laughs) to talk about Wendell Green Jr. and what has been happening in the last couple games, and this one was another brutal performance. Guys, what is happening with Wendell? Is it is it the kind of theory we've had for a long time that he plays really well against mid majors and lower P5 teams? And when you put him against great talent, he's just not there. Is it somebody's figured something out? I don't he's kind of figured out that double team up, you know, that that was kind of the thing we thought the pressure on him was gonna be what got him, and now he's kind of figured that out. But now he can't finish at the rim. His three point shooting is not where it used to be. I don't know, guys. Thoughts on Wendell Green in this game and just in general over the whole season? go
3: ahead Matt okay yeah we're, we're figuring out this three-way pod thing um you know <laughs> I, it's a mix of it's always a mix of both there there is a thing that is gonna follow him as long as he's at Auburn where he I will say I feel like he's played better against better teams this year um than especially that brutal stretch to end last year so I want to give him credit you know he uh he, he bailed us out the other I know that's Ole Miss but he, he's had some really good moments, but it's been very inconsistent this year. And it just feels like you don't know what you're getting game to game. And, you know, sometimes we can spend an hour on a podcast talking about this basketball season and this team. And it, I mean, I know it's not this simple, but sometimes it feels as simple as we kind of go as Wendell Green goes. And I think that fits a little bit of the, of the type of, um, just the way Bruce operates offensively. Um, I do think people have, learned how to try to use his height and size against him defensively and but i agree he's gotten better at solving a lot of that um it you know but he's it just seems like some games he's really good and his offense is on and he carries us he really does carry us at times and maybe the reason we go as wendell goes is because when you take that offense away with this year's team with what we have right now there are not a lot of options outside of a couple guys and basketball particularly college basketball even more than the nba
2: is a game of matchups and last year we had a couple of guys that other teams couldn't really match up against you know we watched kentucky send two guys consistently jabari smith and he shot over him anyway walker kessler was a seven foot unicorn that you know no matter where he got into the lane was just a short reach of the basket away and defensively he was a nightmare so people learned late in the season last year, that if you attacked Wendell and kept him from being able to distribute the ball, that was the key to beating us. And this year, it's something sort of similar. Wendell is such a better facilitator than he was last year. Last year, we looked at him more as a pure scorer, especially off the bench. Um, I haven't looked at his assist numbers overall, but I'd, I'd be willing to bet the rest of my redmond vodka that uh, Wendell's assist numbers are better this year. Um, I think as a facilitator of the game, he's doing so much more. We're seeing such a a greater versatility in his game, but he's missing the security blankets of guys that can create their own shots. And his shooting hasn't improved uh, in the way that we wanted to, particularly outside. His mid range seems to be really good, but that involves getting him one-on-one. And he has a lot of guys collapsing to him in the lane this year because they know it's going to take away the passing window and he's going to try to shoot over you. And, to Wendell's defense, he was aggressive in the lane tonight. He made some things happen that were just incredible, but he couldn't finish. And uh, sometimes you have games like that.
1: I think we're putting, uh, personally, I think we're putting too much pressure on Wendell because we don't have, like you talked about, we don't have these other players. And I think Wendell, and I, I don't want to give up on Wendell necessarily. If the right pieces are around him, he could be a great college player, the way we've seen some of these other short point, guy, point guards with Bruce Pearl. I think we've just found a team where the cog, his piece of the puzzle doesn't work with the other pieces of the puzzle because they're just not there for him. It's just kind of frustrating. I think he's playing. I think he could be playing really well on a different team with a couple guys that would hit a shot. If he could throw a guy a ball at the perimeter, actually hit a shot, all of a sudden the game's so different. If he had some threats that he could, you know, he's he's kind of getting swarmed at three-point line and then trying to go past them and score in the lane. If he had a guy he could throw over to after that, that'd be great. You know, he just kind of doesn't have that. Next option, he's trying
3: to do it himself. And that's not who this player is. It's not who he was even recruited to be. It's everything, just how he has to be right now. Everything is way harder in basketball if you can't stretch the floor. And I think yeah. if, you, if you just go back, and again, that wasn't all year, but that Final Four run, we were a death lineup for people to guard because we could just shoot it from anywhere. And it, it completely changed how everybody had to defend us and the way they had to like guard at certain parts of the floor – and if you're, if you're going against this Auburn team, you can pack it in. You can afford to be more aggressive on the perimeter if you want. If you want to be aggressive and double. If you want to – like Ben was talking about those ball screens. If you want to really jump those, is Auburn really going to make two solid passes to get to the open guy quickly to hit an, – and then are they going to hit the open shot? Like your defense, you can do so many more things when the team can't stretch the floor. And you're right. I, I just think Wendell Green's a really good college basketball player. And I think we would be yes. doing him a disservice – to say over the last couple of years as a guy who moved up from the level he was at kind of like deny broom. Like, I, I think it's a little disrespectful. And I think this is why we argued last year about him, you know, to say he's not an sec. You're, you're not saying this now, but some people have said that like maybe he's just not an sec. He's, he's proven himself. He's a good sec point guard. He really is. But is he junior year, Jared Harper, just the maestro that has all the answers. No, he's not that. And he's not, he hasn't reached the level of consistency to have all the answers at all times. But by the way, it's, it's going to be his, his, he's not going to grow. You know, you know,
1: he, and, and, and Jared Harper wouldn't be Jared Harper on this team. He had guys he there, could throw it out there were there. extreme threats that he, when he drove that ball and it wasn't there, he had a guy toss it out to to hit a three and looked great. He could in transition when Wendell has struggled to uh, score in transition sometimes because there's big guys out there. He could throw it to Bryce Brown in transition to hit a big three against Tennessee in the SEC championship. Wendell doesn't have that right now. No one's hitting anything. So I just, I, like I said, I think he could be a great, I think you could be completely different picture of Wendell on another team that has some threats out there. We'd be like, man, that Wendell, what a baller in college basketball. What a cool element to have on your team. He's just not the star you want on your team. He's not a college basketball
3: SEC star. He, he is one of the only guys on this team though. And Ben brought up, I know it's South Carolina who went into up and won and who almost beat Alabama this week. Um, But we went in there and kicked their tails and Wendell green barely made a shot. He completely killed them in every, I mean, he, it was, it was a really incredible performance. And you think about that game now, you're nobody's going to do that every game. Right. But he's got, and I think he's shown Ben and I have talked about this. Like he has grown so much in that area of distributing the ball and being more quiet when he needs to be more quiet. Um, but then oh, yeah. with this team, it's almost like we need him to be louder because we don't have the threat sometimes. So I don't know. I,
2: I, I gotta I gotta disagree with you there because again, like the, the loud Wendell Green last year was a logo three guy, and the loud Wendell Green this year has been the driver, the finisher, and the guy hitting his shots at the free throw line. Wendell Green has taken more free throws than any other player in the SEC. Mm-hmm. And at five foot eleven, that takes some guts. Yep. Give me this year's Wendell Green Jr. over last year's Wendell Green Jr. every day and twice on Sunday. Yep. He is a better overall and more consistent player, I think, than he was last year. We just weren't as focused on him as we are this year because mm-hmm. we are lacking in the star power. Um, but let's talk about our star. Let's talk about Jennai Broom, um, particularly as a guy that we can build around for the future. He is a, a fantastic offensive weapon, the guy that Matt talked about in our preseason, this guy who can put his back to the basket, make some moves, make some incredible shots. I mean, his spin move when he can get one-on-one offensively is still shocking for how big he is. He is so quick on that turnaround driving to the basket. It's just the first 10 minutes of the basketball game, well, the first five minutes of the basketball game, we've been in every game. The scout has been there. The guys have known what they're going to do. But something keeps happening to this team around the seven-minute mark where that seems to be when we win and lose basketball game to a large degree.
1: So those, those starters, man, it, it, you know, the depth is not showing up. We didn't hit a bench point until like 10 minutes left in the second half. Right. KD hit
3: his first point with like 10 minutes left or 13 minutes, something like that, the second half. And ultimately, and again, I know a lot of this was the shots and how much Kentucky made, but like, you know, he, he matched up with Shiboy for a few minutes. And then Shiboy ends up with 17 rebounds and Broom has one. So I was pumped with how Broom started the game. And I think he has proven time and time again that he belongs in this league and that he's a really – I think he's the Jackson's kind of player, right, that he is a – college he is going to be a really good college basketball player that I'm not sure he's ever going to get to the NBA, like – Maybe he will. I, it's just going to be tough for him. He doesn't quite have the NBA measurables or athleticism. Well, when,
2: you, when you look at his defensive performance, the main
3: difference between him
2: and Walker Kessler is Walker Kessler had uh, a degree of patience on the floor that was almost inhuman. Yeah. It was so impossible to get Walker Kessler to leave his feet. And Jani Broome is so aggressive defensively. You go back and look at some of those shots where guys made the second shot. He got a hand on the ball mm-hmm. and and almost took it away from them. But they were able to recover, double clutch, and make a shot. And you, you feel for him to a certain degree. But I think, you know, he, he's a redshirt sophomore. We've got two years more of him if if he'll have us. Um, I think Jani Broom is an exciting guy down the road, particularly once we get a little bit more versatility in our guard position around him. Um, and, you know, offensively, we've got to figure out a way to get him involved more in the middle of the game because he started this game hot. He starts a lot of games hot, and then he seems to – quietly disappear
3: yeah how much of that is you know uh, and i think we continue i I would be really curious if some of the auburn coaches would ever open up about this but like has this been a really difficult year for them knowing how much to butt in and how much to control where the ball's going on a given possession because that has not really been our style for ever since bruce got here And it's like, yeah. it, it, you can tell there's an emphasis on certain things and you're right. It kind of goes away. And part of that's the flow of basketball. You can't, you don't always get to dictate who gets the shot and what Kentucky defends, but it, you're right. We do tend to go away. I would argue from both Jalen inside the three-point line and broom inside the three-point line. And at times when we can't hit shots and we can't manufacture up with shots, it can be pretty frustrating to watch. So I would be curious how the coaches feel about that, especially Bruce. Like, has that been hard for him this year? Because it's such a different – he just has to keep – like Jalen. I mean, it was actually a really bad shooting day for him. He hit three threes, but he he kind of struggled. He missed a few that he should have he, – I'm sure he wishes he had back. But you almost yeah. have to just force the ball to Jalen. We've talked about that all year. You have to almost control it.
1: We, uh, we've had some coaches on already this year, a bunch of coaches last year. I think that'll be one of our questions we put on there for sure. Uh, it seems like out of halves – they really they really go after throwing the ball down to broom and Jalen and getting those tough twos down there. And uh you wonder if they just kind of forget it throughout the game, if they can't control like you said they can't constantly have them in the huddle saying throw it to Jonai, throw it to Jonai, and they just, you know, straight out of halves, beginning of games, so that's what happens. Uh Junaid, well, this you would come
2: up. Well, I was gonna say this team seems to really struggle with the with the second pass. I don't know um if if anybody wants to talk about that a little bit, but given that we had a game with only four assists, which is just abysmal for us um we don't seem to have a high percentage of of multiple passes in our offense
1: I want to talk real quick we can get into this too I wanted to say with Joe Nye he's the only guy on this team because you keep talking on the future with Joe I and I I love it because we didn't know he had two years left when we first got him we thought we had maybe a year maybe not even a year so it's great that we have another two years potentially he's the only guy on this team left and we'll, we'll talk about how to build a team or what we think about this team later he's the only one left on this team that I'm like 100 percent for sure don't need to go after the transfer portal if we can keep Jonai around and Cardwell too. I feel good about next year. Like there's not the chances that there's someone better than Jonai out there in the transfer portal or even recruiting is very low. I'm excited to see him grow on this team. Everyone else. I mean, there's some other guys that I feel pretty good about still, but you know, that's the only one that I'm like, you don't even have to go look for a center. We have our guy. This is our guy. Everyone else has been suspect this year, but yeah, assist wise. I don't know how bad it, why it was so bad in this game i mean part of that was we scored 54 points so i mean if you don't if they don't shoot them if they don't hit them you're gonna miss out on a portion of that and then you know matt's you're more into this kind of thing if you want to diagnose here
3: but we made 19 shots i mean like, yeah you're right it was a low number but 19 shots isn't like crazy low we only got nine points from the free throw line so i mean we hit a decent amount of shots i, I would i do think when we're playing inside out, right, there is less assist opportunities because we do a lot of ISO with Janai. Can we agree, by the way? Can I get a little credit? I said he would be the best post-up player Bruce has ever had. That's not much of a race. But can we just already (laughs) kind of declare that over? He actually has moves. We could throw it inside. And the fact that he can hit threes now, this is like a few games in a row he's hitting a three or two. Like, if he can develop that and get a little more efficient there, that's huge. Uh, I I do think we're going one-on-one a little more, um, which leads to less assists. But I kind of agree with, like, Ben is on to something there. Because against a team like Kentucky that is that long and that is going to kind of push up on you a little bit, they're just kind of annoying. They've always been annoying to play against with Cal. They're not that well coached, but they are annoying to play. And it does feel like you have to string together two or three really good passes to get a good look on a lot of these possessions. And clearly that didn't happen enough tonight.
2: Yeah, it seems like we're not doing a great job um, this year of getting other teams out of position. You know, that was that's always been part of the Flying Tigers model of Bruce's thing. Is if you push the pace, if you're aggressive, you're not going to give them a chance to uh, sit down and look at what's happening and diagnose. You're going to get more of your mismatches. I mean, that's been the most frustrating thing for me early in possessions is it feels like we had a couple of moments where we had good looks inside. where Either you had Jalen or Janai with their back to the basket one-on-one, the position you want to be in, we just can't get him the ball. And what do we do? We rotate it back to the point guard and reset. And now there's only 15 seconds on the shot clock.
3: And say good luck, right? That's what yeah. it feels like for Wendell. So that's that's why I stick up for Wendell sometimes. That's a good point.
1: I, I wanted to talk real quick. I found a stat here. I'm enjoying looking up stats more often. Uh, there's a big, you know, one of the biggest stats this game is the 62% from three from Kentucky at home to our 33%. Uh, a weird portion of that is how often they had wide open threes with no one even closing out on them. Now we, we, we get a decent amount of good three looks, but they're not wide open three looks typically ever. And then about, it's probably 50, 50 good, solid three point shots. And then us trying to dribble around and make our own three shot or just a straight up contested three. So it's just, it's infuriating. Cause they're getting their open three shots and when they get them, they hit every single one and almost every single three shot they took was just a really good open three shot. It, and so it, then I found, your, let me show you the stat here because it blows my mind because we've gotten a bunch of arguments about Auburn's three defense. There was a time there we just felt like, mean, every team was hitting threes on top of us. What is going on? Is there short guards? Is it, maybe they're just hitting threes? I don't know. So then I looked at our three-point percentage defense because I wanted to back up my opinion that we've just not been great three-point percentage defense. No, 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 I am incorrect. And I'm gonna, I, the one thing I'll stick up for myself is that, out-of-conference skews these numbers a lot because we had a really crappy out-of-conference schedule. I think we can it. That's
3: everybody. Not everybody
1: has. We had one of the weakest ones we've had in a long time. We didn't.
3: Time. We I think we
1: did. Look at our Anyways, numbers. That's not true. This is the stat here. Uh, Auburn is fourth in the nation at three-point percentage defense. Now, above us, number two is Alabama, and number one is Tennessee. So that sucks that we have to play – them two and that we can be the t- top five defensive team and have two other guys ahead of us but man we're number four in the nation at that so when we give 62 percent from three from kentucky i wanted to say that was on par but it's not we've been great on defense
3: by it from three-point percentage if you don't believe you know th- there's a weird thing people get weird about threes in college basketball yes sometimes eric stevenson gets hot and hit some shots in your face. But when you're saying we're bad, that's literally the only game all year that we've had bad three-point defense. Like, and, and a lot of that, we gave him some easy looks, and he got hot. Um, if you don't believe that a challenge, you, you were big on the small guards, right? Like, oh, our small guards aren't able to challenge. Well, if you don't believe a challenge shot from a 5'11 guard is useful, watch the film today. You know, it's way better to have Wendell Green with a hand up in a shooter's face than giving a guy a wide open lane to step in confidently on a three. So like sometimes they, it's they hard. hit every
1: single one of them too. They, every time you held but, your breath that they might miss one. Cause we miss a lot of them. They hit every single one of no, them.
3: Like in college ba- in high level college basketball, if you leave somebody uh, as shout out Scott Van Pelt late night sports center, he, he he'll say they left a the guy nude at the three point line. Uh, if you leave somebody wide open with a practice three at this level, it's going to be 60, 70 percent. It's going in or more. So
2: well, and let's talk about that for us, too. We had a, a moment where Dylan got a fantastic rebound and was able to swing it to a wide open Katie Johnson on the wing in his spot. Wide open with KD, our guy that's been, you know, a, a ghost at the three point line all year. And even he could make that shot. Yep. The tricky part for us early was they were taking the shots that we wanted them to take. You know, they had a guy that hasn't made a three in, I think, three games, even though he's been a high-percentage shooter for them all year. Um, we gave him the shot, and he just kind of got really confident and stepped into it a couple of times. But
3: I but I feel like I saw it now. I I could be wrong. I, was, I had an interesting watching situation for this game that we won't get into. But I, there was one possession. KD came in off the bench. He had a great deflection to get an offensive rebound that we eventually turned it over off of that. And it was coming back the other way, and th- it was actually like th- – 3 on 4 or 4 on 5. We had more guys back. But Katie got caught ball watching and left somebody wide open on the wing and I think that was the first one that guy hit. And you're right, maybe we want him that we might want him to take a 3, but we don't want him casually in the gym walking into a wide open shot, you know what I mean? So I just No, and think- you're
2: right. That's that's been one of the mysteries of of Katie Johnson's performance this year. We know a lot of why Johan hasn't been playing is missed assignments. Mm -hmm. You know, he doesn't know where he is on the floor and where he's supposed to be. And we saw that against Old Miss too. Katie Johnson really almost cost us in a lot of key situations. He would turn around and realize his man was wide open on the other end of the key. And so I don't know what's going on with, with Katie Johnson's discipline this year, but defensively, it's just not there.
3: Well, it's been better this year, which is crazy. It's been better than last year. People forget how bad he was last year at some of those uh, assignments, but he got away with I it. Think I, I think I do. I don't,
1: I, I didn't expect this from him. I, I don't know if this, this played well on the podcast last time people liked listening to this, but I think the trivia questions can be fun. Uh, what, <laughs> what number team do you think Auburn is in three point percentage, like shooting wise, like. How far down the list oh, is Auburn? You believe
3: we're, we're like three, we're over three hundred. We're, we're so yeah. I, I saw in the broadcast. I want to say three
1: sixty four.
3: Is that your guess, Ben? Final yeah, final yeah, guess, Ben. Yeah, I'm gonna like that. Matt, in
1: 364. Three sixty three thirty nine. Oh man, Matt is so close. Three thirty two.
3: Dang. it. Three
1: hundred and thirty second in the nation. I think
3: there's <laughs> three hundred sixty teams or three seventy or something. Like that. So so Auburn's right let's next to. That- We're right next to North Carolina. North Carolina is not good.
2: (laughs) Let's put that into perspective for people who want to, you know, I'm pretty sold on this team uh, surprising us and and going on a run here. But for people that are poo-pooing this coaching staff and and how good this team actually is, think about the dead weight anchor that is tied to our leg with that three point percentage that we're not just bad. We are abysmal Mm. and we've won 19 games. We've won nine games in conference. When everybody knows that just just let them shoot three, they're not going to make it.
3: Here's another
1: trivia. Here's another trivia for you guys. Can you guess what number we are in the country at blocks per game? You know we love the block party on the pod. Can you guess the number? It's going to be the opposite.
3: It's much better. Top ten, right? Still. Is that your guess? You got to
1: take a a number, Matt.
3: Yeah, number nine. Number nine. I'm going seven. Ben
1: gets it. Number five, Auburn. The teams ahead of us are Milwaukee, Illinois, Iona, and Utah Valley. So that's pretty good. Only Illinois and P5 is ahead of us. There are two teams in the top ten that we've played this year that are also in the top ten of blocks per game. Y'all want to try to guess? Florida. All right. Yeah. Matt's actually Florida. got one already. Yeah, Florida's in the top ten. And uh, Vanderbilt's the other one. Nope. I no. You two or three more guesses. Just start doing it fast if you get it, I'll tell Alabama. you. Alabama. Nope. St. Louis, Memphis, nope, nope, USC. It is out of conference. I'll shrink it. Ooh, U- uh, USC? Uh, USC is actually twelfth. Oh, USC um,
2: is
3: minus. Texas Southern, nope. <laughs> Northwestern. You get one more, one more, Matt. Um, at a conference, not not St. Louis. Um, who else did we play? Here
1: i said we go. northwestern
2: bradley and texas southern so the, the list wow. is shrinking
1: y'all are forgetting the whole list here i'm giving it washington, to you, you not
3: washington
1: matt got it it's washington at number
3: oh, seven can you free believe zone. it? Wow. Isn't that interesting? Well, and Arkansas that, that, is at number eleven. That should tell 11.
2: you right there that, that blocks don't matter. <laughs>
3: exactly. exactly.
1: Arkansas is at eleven. Alabama's at fourteen. I hope everyone 15. loves something
3: as much as Jackson loves our blocks.
1: I just love having a personality on the team, a brand we can get behind. It's three point fun, defense. You know?
3: Three point defense isn't good enough for you. Come on. Not
1: when a game like this happens. <laughs> well, you want to do it around mean, look, the three SEC? Point, Matt? Three point wanna...
3: defense.
2: Three point defense is tricky because. You know, you can defend a guy really, really well, and he can still take that dagger step and create just enough separation to get the shot off. And if he's a good shooter, it's going to matter. But speaking of identity, I, I, I think we might lean too into our identity as shot blockers. We are one of the most foul-happy teams in this league. And that didn't cost us today because so many other things cost us. But there have been a lot of games. I mean, you go back and look at that Vanderbilt loss. Um, a lot of the Texas, both of the Texas A&M losses. The foul disparity that this team suffers from is just gigantic, and it's really hard to recover from in a lot of key situations. So even when we play a good game and put ourselves in a position where we think we can win, if we're constantly going for that sports center rejection, I don't know, I feel like it kind of goes against us. What do you guys think?
1: We are not in the top 50s in fouls per game. Mississippi State is, though, at number 39. I'm enjoying the stats, guys. I Jackson. hope you enjoy the stats. Jackson
3: is becoming like me, man. The pod. I the yeah, has got
1: the stats pulled up Matt, over here, so it's fun Matt, to look at.
3: Matt, we need a hot take quick.
2: Um... <laughs> uh. They fire Bruce Pearl for Chris Beard or something. I don't know. No, no <laughs> Jackson's no. going to be the stat guy. Uh,
3: Yeah. I need a, Yeah. I, I got to work on my hot takes guys. If we're going to, if, if, gonna if you want to be good at, at
1: college basketball, if you want to be one of the good teams, like Alabama is this year, you be Alabama this year and be the number one team in defensive rebounds,
3: but but You're number again, one in the
1: country. At defensive to, rebounds.
3: I, I have a good rant on this. All right, here we why, go. Alabama is a good rebounding team, but why number are number
1: one good? in the country?
3: But, but, I heard you, but why are they number one? They're number one because they play at the fastest pace in the conference and one of the fastest paces in the country. So there's more possessions in every game. So there's more rebounding opportunities. So rebounding, especially, you you have to have context. I think today's game's a great example of, you know, there were what, 14 less shots or makes that Auburn had a chance to even, didn't even have a chance to get a rebound and we lost by 18. So like some of that, Kentucky out rebounded us. I'm not saying it wasn't an issue, but Alabama is not the best rebounding team in the country. They get the most, but they get the most because they play this aggressive, up tempo, attack the rim, layups and threes style that has always scared me to death. That you made fun of me for last year on the podcast for thinking Nate Oates knows what he's doing. He's a good coach.
1: I can't, I just can't ever admit they're good. I'll never admit they're good. I know it's not logical. I just can't, I can't. My soul can't take it.
3: Anyway.
2: Well, speaking of speaking of around the league, as we can kind of bring the podcast to an end, um, Alabama won today and AM was not able to take care of business on the road in Mississippi State. Or were they at home? Was that no, home they were on the road. Okay, they were on the road. So again, we see that even for the good teams, it's hard to win on the road in the SEC. So, oh, um, no, Texas a and are, our I knew of, of, they our would. Chances denying, they, our chances of denying Alabama a banner diminish with every single day that passes. But now our, our next matchup looms even larger. Um, we may be
3: all that stands between them and an SEC championship. You're right. We are. This is not a good sign for us, but we are the last chance. We we have to beat them. They And then A&M has to beat Ole Miss in, in Oxford on Wednesday. And then A&M would host Alabama to split to do what we did to Tennessee basically where it would be a split SEC title but they would have the head-to-head which we are clear on this podcast how we feel about that situation so we are literally to head wins had Auburn had to head wins. A&M let us down it ticked me off uh Arkansas had a Alabama they it, it's frustrating um but anyway, I, I texted I texted you guys
1: about this because we talked about how they had their chance, Texas A&M, to do this. And I just know for sure in my heart of hearts the amount of times I've watched Alabama sports, I just knew Texas A&M would blow it against a bad team. And now they're probably gonna beat Alabama when they play them, but it won't matter because they already yeah. blew it. Right. It's just how it's gonna be, and it's how it's been with Alabama so many times. Yep. And a in a stat you were looking for. So I looked it up. I'm the stat man now. Alabama is maybe number one in rebounds in the nation but they're 84th in rebound percentage. There you go. There they're you go, up. Ben. Very good. Or, or Matt, very good. They're good. I told, I said they were good. I just No, well, I, I'm, they're, talking they're about, good, I'm talking about your, your idea yeah. that they are not as good as we think they are. They're 84th in the country at percentage of rebounds. Yeah, sure. They get a ton of volume of rebounds. So. Well, it's not so much that they're not as good as we think they are because we think they're pretty good, and they're pretty good.
2: But the danger with college basketball is falling in love with the box score because that's not going to tell you the story of the game much in the same way that the rebound differential in this game is not going to tell you the story of this game. The story of this game is Auburn's minutes-long droughts that it would go through, where we would be on the other end of a 13-2 to or a 16-0 run that you know, it, better teams can come back from because they have the ability to respond and string together a couple of really, really great possessions. I think that's what's missing from this team, Jackson. You talked about that at the beginning of the podcast, that we're not a team that goes on runs. We're great at breaking them up and keeping them from being double digits but you know a 7-0 run followed by a 2-0 Auburn run followed by an 8-0 other team run is still a 15-2 deficit so that's the hard part about watching this team but when it comes to college basketball there's so much more than just the box
3: you know what tells me what a good team is in college basketball because you're right um the feeling that you all had watching that home game against Alabama that that extra layer of like anxiety that I think all of us had sure it's our rival sure we want to beat them but when you play them you are worried i'm worried like i i am i was legitimately scared that whole game that they were going to break away at some point and they eventually did we played really well we'll see if what we can do in Tuscaloosa this week um but that's a sign of a really good team when you're the fan of the other team and there's an extra layer of like respect because of not the stats, because of how they're playing and how many weapons they have. They have weapons all over the floor.
1: Ben has been a uh, Nostradamus level on a couple things things uh, this year. His trade Donaldson take was huge in the early year. We were roasting him for his trade Donaldson take. Another take that is starting to come true is his Vanderbilt take yeah. from his SEC preview. He wanted to beat Vanderbilt worse than any other team while me and Ryan were picking Arkansas and some other teams that Vanderbilt loss killed us. It was so bad. It came back that, yeah, you might want to trade some other things for that Vanderbilt win. And they're, they've moved up the boards here. They're one, two, three, they're, four, five, six, seven. They're about to be
3: tied with us for fifth. They beat Florida oh, yeah. today. And so yeah, they're, they're right with us.
2: College basketball in game is a game of streaks. And it's very much in the bigger picture, a game of streaks. When do you get hot? When do you start figuring stuff out and putting your, putting your, team and uh, your uh, team identity together um we're running out of time here the 2019 team has the 2019 team has shown us that we're not out of time just yet but um it's it's hard it's hard to think that this team is really going to surprise us just because of of our overall trends
1: do we have to beat tennessee do we have to beat tennessee at home to make the tournament at this point possibly possibly yeah Uh,
3: Are we we, going to pick that? Do you want to go and do our hot takes? I'm on record. I I think, and I've said this pretty much the whole, I've been pretty consistent. I think, I think we get in if we don't beat Alabama or Tennessee and lose on Thursday of the SEC tournament. I think we get in. I would rather not test it. So
2: here's, here's the problem with where we're at now, because if we lose these last two games, you heard them talk about it in the broadcast today. If you watch the game, we had the potential if we won this game to be in the top four get the double by, then you feel really good. The loser of this game, both uh, either Auburn or Kentucky has, has the potential to finish as low as ninth. Yeah, you yeah. look at a streaking Vanderbilt team yep. um, and some of the other teams that we're now tied with in this log jam behind A&M and Alabama. Um, we could be looking at an early game in the SEC tournament And I think if we finish the season on a four-game losing streak, our best win is, you know, against Northwestern on a neutral site. Depending on what happens in some of the other tournaments, there's a real easy chance that this team is, uh, in in a three-letter word, we don't want to be a part of.
3: It's a weak bubble that's really helping us so far that we haven't really been on the bubble yet. I think we made one appearance before we killed Missouri on Lunardi's bubble. Um, It's a weak bubble this year. Our, our metrics are still good, but if, if we... Not after this game. Well, but we're not going to drop like crazy for losing at Kentucky. Now, the margin for error, the margin of victory does matter in some of those. So, that is not going to help. Um, we were texting about this this week. I, our, our metrics are fine. It would just make everybody feel better if we could beat Tennessee, beat Alabama, or advance a round or two in the sec tournament i think i think that's enough um and it, it's not just losing four in a row i don't know what the exact number is but i feel like it would be losing nine out of 12 down yes. the stretch and the committee yeah. does not historically love to put teams in that are struggling that bad even though you can make the argument a lot of that is our back schedule
1: i mean i just uh I hate that we're on the bubble like this. Jackson, <laughs> it feels like but, we're on the bubble,
3: but, but I, I you, know what, to say, you know, you I, 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 I go ahead. We haven't done this. This is every Bruce Pearl team has either not gotten in or been in as a five seed or higher. This, the experience we're having right now is classic college basketball. This is what most schools deal with most years. This is what Auburn dealt with in 2009 when they should have maybe been in, they were on the bubble and their non-conference stunk too bad and they end up getting left out going 10 and six in the league. Um, it, like this is a normal college basketball experience. And you know who's on the wrong side of the bubble right now? North Carolina. Um, and there's some other schools like that. So I don't want- a
2: team, get... a team, let's point out, a team that was at one point ranked number mm-hmm. one in the country.
3: Yes. So, and they're bad at three-point shooting, like you said, just like we are. So this happens- I think we need to embrace you and I've been on this Jackson since we started talking years ago when Bruce Pearl arrived. Like this is, this is pivotal. Like we got to find a way to get in to keep to to back to back years in the tournament. And you just got to keep getting there. So it may feel like this season doesn't matter to a lot of people because we're losing and we're not that good and we can't shoot. It matters. It matters to get in to the big dance. And then you just take your shot and have some fun. And if we win, it's great and and it's awesome. So
1: you just got to keep rolling those dice. Honestly, you just got to keep getting in, and you roll the dice, and it's going to be a bad percentage chance this year that even if we get in, think, but hey, man, sometimes it just hits. It hit for North Carolina last year. It hit well, the kind of four year or five the, seed, but you know, just you just got to keep rolling. The more times you get to roll, the more chances you are to do something. The, the and one big thing
2: two, we've seen a couple of times this year that Auburn matches up remarkably well against the right kind of team missouri the, the metrics loved missouri coming into that game and we absolutely wiped the floor with them just because of how we matched up so depending on the way that seating shakes out if we get in and we have a couple of rounds where we match up well suddenly the ceiling of this team we talked about is is more than a reach all you got to get
1: all you got to do to get to the sweet
2: 16 is win two games yeah
1: my, my big thing that i'm already cringing about is on selection sunday all the pundits and the podcast and everything. They're gonna be pulling our resume up and yep. say, oh, well, the the metrics are all right, whatever." And someone from the side, very typically ESPN is gonna say, "Yeah, but who would they beat? Who they? You're gonna put them in over this? Who would they beat?" And they'd be like, "Oh, it looks like the best win is um, I guess Northwestern." I just I, I'm already cringing at, yeah, like, yeah, You can like the script is already written, you know. Unless we can beat Tennessee or number, Alabama, Northwestern, the number
2: two team in
3: the Big Ten, still I believe oh. they're they're really good, but. Jackson's right. We've had six opportunities that we pointed out in this pod. I think this is where the podcast is really helpful for those that listen. There were six big games we pointed out early in the conference schedule coming down the stretch. We're 0-4 after today. There's two more left, and it's against that Alabama team and Tennessee at home who, you know, they blew out South Carolina today. Um, They're still a good team. I think there's a temptation to kind of, they've lost probably more. They've lost close games like we have. Those are tough wins. And either of those would be by far the best win we've had all year.
1: Let's refresh this page real quick. I want to see that Bandy Florida score, and then we'll we'll head out of here. But shout-out again to Redmont Vodka. Yep, Vanderbilt pulled away here against Florida. So they're they're tied up. Shout-out so to Charles, Redmont and Charles, so Charles Barkley. Charles, this does not
2: count. You've got to come on the podcast.
1: Yes. One day. That's the white whale, guys. It's Charles one day. We've had some, a lot of great interviews. Now, I, I didn't even ever want to shoot that high,
3: honestly, but – uh,
1: we've gotten everybody we ever wanted on this point, pretty much. So, uh, why not shoot to the moon? Yeah. You know? can,
3: I, can I do a quick SEC uh, tournament thing? Yeah. yeah. Um, yes. Just so we're, we're in the last week of the year, two games left. We're going to be in a three way tie for fifth with Missouri and Vanderbilt. We still technically control our way into the double buy, which sounds crazy. And it would involve beating Alabama and Tennessee, but it is on the table. So we're not dead yet there, but we could finish. Now they may have said on the broadcast night, and it could be because I guess maybe we have tiebreakers over state and Florida. But I mean, in my math, there are still a world where we could finish 10th um, at least based on the the potential records. So we have at least clinched. We're not playing Wednesday night. We don't have to win five games in five days in the SEC tournament, which is impossible looking like Thursday. um, But man, we could finish fourth, to ninth or 10th and it really doesn't make a huge difference there is a slight i I, if we're going to adjust our goals it would be great if we could somehow finish in the top six because five and six get to play somebody who played the night before you know and they're coming back playing again so if you want to adjust your goals be paying attention to missouri vanderbilt and arkansas are the teams around us that are most likely to kind of swap places
1: Cool. All right, guys. Well, thanks for coming. I hope you enjoyed the three-way interview here. Uh, shout out to Redmond again for coming on. I hope you guys are enjoying those uh, before the show kind of interviews. We we're gonna time stamp them. If you're still listening, you know that's great. You're you're die hard, so you're you're locked in. But we're gonna time stamp them because I know me and Matt enjoy getting straight into things. So you know that'll be good. SEC
3: tournament. If you're coming to Nashville hit us up. I'm going to be there. I mean, we'll see. We have to see what the schedule, that's the hard part about March. We've talked about this. You don't know the schedule till the week of, and then you have to do lots of things. But if you're coming to Nashville and you want to catch up, um, get together somewhere, reach out to our socials, um, Instagram, Twitter, all that stuff. And uh, yeah, good episode, boys. Sorry. Look one day in my lifetime. I just hope we can win in rough arena. Just one day, one day. War Eagle guys. War Eagle Eagle,
2: boys. boys.